Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum? Think again. Meet Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum with AI-powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trends says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com. And discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Y'all thought that Edge was going to debut a Wrestle Dream, but we've already got the biggest WWE defection because Retribution debuted on this episode <laughs> of Dynamite. I'm Luke Owen, D-A-D. I'm joined by Tempest. Tink, tink. And welcome to the Rest Talk Podcast review of AEW Dynamite. Please do press the subscribe button if this is your first time here and you have, or if you haven't done so already. Press the thumbs up button. Give us a subscribe, all that good jazz. Leave a comment down below with what you thought of this episode of Dynamite. If you're watching live, join in the conversation. And if you want to have your statement read out on the air, resttalk.com forward slash support is the link you need to be clicking or putting into your URL bar because we'll read out all of them above the five US dollar amount before the end of the show. Already some hot debates happening in the live chat, Tempest. There sure is, Luke. Some people who think that Jay White is a bad promo. I simply do not understand, folks. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm also going to read out, I, I thought this was a, a, a nice way to open up this show, everyone. This is a tweet I got sent out by my, from my review that I did of this show on the WrestleTalk News. Mm-hmm. Let me get this tweet up for you now. Mm-hmm. Bruh, three out of five for that all-timer show. Your bias in grading the Fed shows and AEW shows is insane. I've been watching you guys for six years now. So, for all you people, or my critics, who think that I'm far too positive about uh, AEW and are far too critical about WWE, that person there seems to think I'm far too praising of WWE and I'm far too critical of AEW. You will simply never <laughs> win, Luke. Well, I would, I would argue, Tempest, if WWE fans think I'm far too critical of WWE and are too praising of AEW, and AEW fans think I'm far too critical of AEW and too praising of WWE. It just means I'm down the middle. And it just means that I'm actually fair on both sides. I think that's fair. I do as well. So there you go, everyone. I'm too biased towards Raw uh, when you get in your critical ultra chats in about my feelings on WWE segments. Christ, come watch SmackDown for a few weeks. <laughs> But anyway, this episode of Dynamite, we were talking before, like we went on air, a bananas episode. Every once in a while, Tony Khan just goes nuts. 
And those are my favorite episodes of Dynamite. <laughs> well, I was I was watching this show. I like I yeah, I gave this episode three out of five, but I already said in the reviews, like, I really it's a four out of five episode because the ending angle was so intriguing and I loved it. And every time I would I, I loved every single segment on this show. But there was like half an hour's worth of just chatting when I was like, what is this show? Like they had a wrestling match. And then half an hour later, had another wrestling match because there were four different talking segments <laughs> that happened in this half hour period. And then a wrestling match, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, this is a, a wrestling show, isn't it? It is. But I will give them credit because very often we say that these shows never feel like go home shows or things of that nature. And yeah, there are certainly a lot of people that weren't on this show for one reason or another, and that's fine. But. I came out of this being pretty darn excited for all the matches that they showcased on this show for Wrestle Dream. So I will give them points for that. And if that means we have to give a lot of talking segments to do it, that's fine with me. And uh, for next week as well. Because I felt like, you know, the, the, the big talking segments that we had on this show, like the, the MJF and uh, Adam Cole segments, was sort of for the pay-per-view, but it was kind of also to continue the story of, of uh, the kingdom as well. But then the, the segment that came after with Jay White was really like it's there to set up the angle at the end of the show and then lead you into some intrigue going into uh wrestle dream but it kind of felt like jay versus mjf that's probably a full gear mm -hmm. match one of the matches was set up the anniversary show next week but like honestly i look up and down this th this, this card right here and this show and i was writing up my review and i was like awesome superb brilliant fantastic i was just using nothing but positive adjectives but it was just also like kind of all over the place in terms of where you slotted certain segments mm -hmm. and i think there are obviously a lot of reasons why the booking of this show was maybe a little all over the place there are some people sick to injuries some people with injuries major people with injuries as well where you kind of have to change course and sometimes when that happens things go off the rails and sometimes they're just like ah Let's have some crazy good matches that you'd never think to book otherwise. I said to you, this felt is this, this was the most my GM mode edition of Dynamite I've ever seen in my life. Where this was, was like, a my universe. <laughs> WWE hit the randomizer simulate button and just see what happens. Because like, you know, I'm looking at this match and being like, well, yeah, got to put a triple threat in a fatal four way. If I shake the match types up a little bit, I get more star ratings and stuff and I get more fans in. It works for me. It worked for me as well, but I had a fun time with this episode. But I really enjoyed this episode, and it ended with this like contract signing between Page and Swerve, uh, not Cole, as I accidentally said in my edited review. Uh, it's too many Adams. And um, Adam, <laughs> you wait. There might be another one coming soon. Well, that's true. So I was writing up my review for it, you know, and they're like, "Time no matter." And I really enjoyed the contract segments between Swerve and Page. Page's promo was so so great. We'll get into that in a little bit. And I was like, well, that's, you know, it's a, an odd way to close out the show, I guess. Like, mm -hmm. I suppose, it, you know, it's a hot program, ends with a, a brawl. I guess that's a, a fairly decent way to end out the show. And then it cuts backstage. And Jay White is being accosted. He's being beaten up by four dudes in, like, like all black, black masks on and stuff. And he's being beaten up by these four guys. And then it cuts across. And there's another guy, again, all in black. But he's wearing MJF's devil mask. And you're like, huh. Who is it that attacks Jay White? I can't possibly solve this mystery. Can you? 
And I was like, sweet, we have a Who run over Steve Austin. <laughs> Please, we have a Who knocked over the crates onto Roman Reigns. <laughs> Gotta keep it current for today's viewers. Yeah, but when I, during that whole angle, I kept saying Who ran over Roman Reigns. Yeah. Until people got really annoyed at me for saying that. Um, but yeah, we've got like this, a mystery group attacking Jay White. And there's lots of, you know, different theories about who that could be. And I'm so here for all of it. Because... Crucially to a lot of this, the guy... Let's, let's address the, the main one, I mm -hmm. suppose. The main guy who was in the MJF devil mask, it's not MJF. No. If you look at that dude, MJF is a bulkier dude than that guy is. He also has a man bun. And so it's not MJF. And then a lot of people have been showing this clip from All In when Adam Cole and MJF are sat together backstage and the devil mask is actually hanging above Adam Cole. And it's on his side of like the dressing room and stuff. Mm. And I was like, AW, like, we like to make all these connect stuff, like to put things in, in plain sight for you so you can connect the dots later. So you've got Adam Cole there. He also wasn't getting physically involved in this fight. He was just sort mm -hmm. of ordering things. So you're like, okay, well, that's Ruddy. That's Taven. And that's Bennett. Mm -hmm. It's the kingdom and Adam Cole have beaten up MJF backstage. Jay White backstage. Jay White backstage, absolutely you're right. So that's like theory number one. It's Adam Cole. Yeah. Thoughts? I think that is probably like the most likely theory. I don't know if that's just like the most obvious theory, the one they want you to think, because obviously who else has been the most connected with MJF as of late? Adam Cole, Roderick Strong, The Kingdom. I don't know how that all will work out if that is the story that they're essentially helping MJF in this. I don't know how that all shakes out, but I think at least at the start, that's probably the theory that AEW wants you to come to. Yeah. I don't think they're thinking you're going to think it's MJF. Right. I think that's the obvious red herring of, of all of this for sure. But I think it's much more fun and potentially destructive to think about well who else could it be yeah you know could this potentially be bullet club gold with a new leader that have now turned on jay white or something i'm just trying to think of groups of four where this would work where there would be a guy in a devil mask at the forefront of it and then three other guys it could it be lfi mm -hmm. could it be bullet club mm -hmm. you know this we are going into a sort of not, not but not really co-pro between AEW and New Japan for, for Wrestle Dream this weekend. But if it's a Bullet Club thing, we're going to lead to a Bullet Club versus Bullet Club gold match. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of sort of using MJF as this red herring uh, piece because they're dressed up as MJF. Or is it a bunch of like, it's not the, them at this point, but kind of like what they did with Retribution right. in, in WWE was like, we're just going to put a bunch of guys and girls in these body stocking things and we'll figure out who that group is down the line. Mm -hmm. And what they did was just like, oh, but it's Dijak. Yeah. And it's Mason this. Um, it's me, him, it turns out. Uh, and we're going to reveal down the line, it's a group of WWE guys that have just been fired. Yeah. It's Ali, who's actually got retribution ties. It's, <laughs> it's Dolph Ziggler. It's, you know, a bunch of these guys that have just been released and they're going to be sort of like a little invading force that that's going to come in. And I think that's why a lot of people have really like, you know, the, the person who tweeted me called this an all timer episode. 
And I think this is one of the reasons why people are thinking this was such a great episode of Dynamite, because you're right, bonkers throughout, because mm-hmm. the in-ring wrestling was so good on this show, and it was so much fun. Every single promo segment was fantastic on this show, particularly the Jay White MJF segment. But you've got this, this little bit of intrigue with this closing angle, couples together with Tony Khan's new era of AEW starts this weekend. I think it's got a lot of people really excited for WrestleTream and then the anniversary show next week. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll be, I'll be perfectly honest. I have not really thought too much about Tony Khan's new era comments because I feel like he says that sort of thing sometimes. And it's like he is prone to hyperbole. Ov- hyperbole. Absolutely. He's a promoter. Yeah. That's what he's supposed to do as a promoter. 100%. But I've not gone into this pay-per-view really thinking about like, oh, there's going to be an invading force or there's going to be something that shifts the landscape, whatever. Now I'm like, they have a building block in place to do something crazy. And again, I'm not going to be disappointed or anything if this ends up being Adam Cole, Roddy in the kingdom, because I still think that makes sense narratively, 100%. But... There are a lot of really interesting possibilities to come out of this. And I think you're right. One of the things that this episode has done really well is it's left people thinking about the episode, thinking about what happens next week at the pay-per-view, etc. And I think that is when wrestling is sort of at its best. You don't necessarily need to have a cliffhanger, but having a through line to tie through week to week and leave people thinking about Who's going to be involved? When things are going to happen? When are we going to get the reveal of who these guys are? Those are the things that are really exciting in week-to-week wrestling. And I don't know who these guys are, but I'm still very interested to find out. Yeah. What if it's the elite? Could be. Like, there's a like, you know, there's names you could throw out. And I kind of what's like really fun about this episode is I'm just sort of looking over to the to the side where my laptop is, and it's got the live stream up. And I'm just watching the live chat, just throwing out names. Could be this person, could be this person. And I think we as wrestling fans like this sort of thing, like being able to just speculate and run wild on on who this group could possibly be. Inevitably, that kind of sometimes leads to disappointment because it's not who you fantasy booked it was going to be. But this is kind of the fun of it too. Fantasy book this group's reveal and what this could mean. Because it might not be at WrestleDream. You know, it could just, like WrestleDream could just be this new era of AEW is just a tagline. Mm-hmm. And it's just something that a promoter has said about a show to get you excited about said show. And it's next week's the anniversary show. You want to do a hot angle that's going to like shift the landscape of a company? An anniversary show is a really fun time to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you debut the group at WrestleDream and then the anniversary show is where they make a big statement play. Right. But again, you know, if it's... I, I'm leaning towards it's not Cole. Right. Because I feel like it's too much of the obvious choice. And as someone pointed out in the group, there's five people there. Because mm. there was four people that attacked and the person in the MJF mask. The Adam Cole and Kingdom scenario, you're down one person. Right. Well, I think to go back to a point that you had earlier, I have seen people speculating on Twitter, and I tend to agree with them, that the person in the MJF mask isn't going to be revealed to be whoever it was like actually playing the role in this segment right i don't think necessarily like the person's 
Bill, I don't think it's going to be like Brian Cage or anything like that. Just to throw out an example, or it's like not going to be this big hulking mass in this, you know, more slender body. I don't think it's going to be that crazy. But I don't think the person this is going to end up being was the person who played the role on this show. I absolutely agree with you, yeah. And that makes me think maybe it's people that are waiting out a no compete clause or something. It's a long time to go. That's that's December, late December. Yeah, so it's like January, really. So again, you never know. But theories getting thrown out. None of these things are concrete by any means. It is just very, very interesting that there are so many different possibilities. There are so many different things that, like, I've never been the guy when people get released or whatever to go like, oh, we needed a WWE invasion or anything like that. But when the week after you see something like that happen, a bunch of guys show up in masks and attack one of the top stars, I'm just like, oh, you never know. They could choose to do something nuts. Like, why not? Right? Why not? Bring in some new blood. I know AEW doesn't necessarily have, like, a thin roster or anything like that. But, hey, there are always people that you could use to bolster some of these guys and start something new. You just don't want it to be the firm 2.0. Right. Which is what happened the last time we had this kind of group of lads because these are the people that helped MJF win the the, the Casino Battle Royale in in 2022. Maybe it is just the firm. Maybe Ever think about may, that. Hey, it, it's the Ass Boys. And the Ass Boys turning on Jay White. You know, they've brought back who else was in that group? Lee Moriarty, Lee Moriarty and Ethan and Page. Page. <laughs> and Big Bill was Big Bill part of the firm. Yeah, for a he bit. was. Yeah, there was no one that tall in that backstage. Segment. No, certainly wasn't. Here is the other thing that I find tremendously exciting about all of this. So I'm there, and I'm writing up my review on the on the you know the the train ride in. This was a difficult review to write up as well. Like, you know, peeling back the curtain somewhat. I try to write like 550 for the two thirds that I do. There's an ad break in the middle of it. I try and write about 550 for each side. I wrote 580 for part one. Mm -hmm. I then wrote over a thousand words for part two. And I was like, hmm, I've now got to trim this down (laughs) by almost half. (laughs) Then I was there and I was sort of like just, you know, writing things down. Then I'd sort of scroll through Twitter and see what, you know, other people kind of thinking about this. And then I thought it was like, the Adam Cole injury is all the work. Mm-hmm. He and it was because Adam Cole had posted up like pictures of the break and everything and the swollen foot. And I was like, "Oh, I hope Adam Cole gets better soon." And I was like, "It's all the work. He's faking this injury to get out of the match, and then they're going to cost MJF the match at uh, uh, WrestleMania. So that's how the Righteous are going to win the belt. And that's when you reveal that it was Adam Cole, and there is no injury." This ankle injury is nothing. And him and Roderick Strong are both going to stand out of their wheelchairs at the same time to reveal. They'll both do the Linda McMahon spot. I I wish, I hope that's true. Because that would be a real nice double swerve to be like, "Ah, we'll make you think that it's Adam Cole. But you're like, ah, it's not really Adam Cole. He's hurt. But then the swerve, it it is Adam Cole, but he's not hurt. I would very much like that. Because it would mean Adam Cole's not hurt. Yeah, but maybe I'm wishing it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm really into this angle. Yeah, it's too. a real short little thing, but it encapsulates what I want out of my uh, out of my wrestling. Worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum? Think again. Meet Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum with AI-powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trends says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. 
Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's eufy.com and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best in class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Uh, well, what do you think of this angle? Let us know in the live chat. Let us know in the comments down below. Uh, but also get in your thoughts to restore.com forward slash support. We'll read out every one of them. And the pain train says long live retribution 2.0. What we need next week is them throwing a cinder block through a glass window and then someone else to throw a second cinder block after that one. Like it's chasing it. <sighs> to, to what was already a broken window. It was cursed from the first day. <laughs> His name was Slapjack. His name was Slapjack. I, man, I miss those retribution days. I look back on them now. Those angles was. Remember one of them came down with a chainsaw and started chopping up the ropes? Yep. Man, Slapjack beat, like, someone really impressive in the G1 this year. I don't remember who it was, but, like, Slapjack beat like naito or something (laughs) i forget who it was but i was like that is something i never thought i would see like then coming down with a chainsaw and chopping up ropes led to when we did calling spots i said the leader would be revealed as fred durst because he packs a chainsaw and harass raw yeah i was really proud of that joke i you should be (laughs) pain train continues can't forget the biggest who done it in wrestling history who pied kevin owens in the face well i believe kevin owens has said that it was Vince. He's revealed. He said in interviews it was Vince that threw the pie. Metaphorically, I think he says literally it was. I've always heard him say it was like, well, he booked the segment, so metaphorically speaking, Vince yeah, McMahon. Yeah, I did suppose it. yeah, because he it was his idea. Therefore, yeah. Vince McMahon is the culprit. Yeah, that's how I've always interpreted that. I might yeah. have to go back and rewatch it. Although, I mean, I, I push back with uh, Ollie on this one. You know, biggest wrestling mysteries. Who raised the briefcase? Uh, King Ray, it was the boss man. They literally tell you the following episode of Raw. The boss man did it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how this has become a big conspiracy of who did who did it. Yeah, but who it was, was the driving the White Hummer? 
party the boss man. <laughs> Big Bubba Rogers. <laughs> Colostopia says, the mask guy is Wardlow. If you take into consideration that the guys in this episode are extras with his own stable to take out Max, or the much better option, the firm is back. Uh, the Melon here says, what do you reckon of Wardlow? I hadn't considered that as an option, but we've not seen him in a while. I haven't. It makes He's sense. a bulkier guy than anyone there, but... I, I'm, you know, haven't been that into Wardlow for the last little while. Well, he needs that, something. That would be something. Big shout out to SP3, because SP3's in the chat, to just say, it was Naito that Slapjack beat in the G1. There you go. Soon to be Wrestle Kingdom 18 main eventer, defeated by Slapjack. Uh, I was the melon says I was really happy Jay is getting a main event spot. He's currently my favorite wrestler in the world it has been since Wrestle Kingdom 17, but I'm worried that TK won't do the character justice in favor of simply bolstering MJF's story on route 2024. Also, I couldn't fit it into the other old chat, but your podcast is my go-to on YouTube, and thank you for all of it. I don't see Luke's bias. I don't either. Thank you. I guys. sit next to you. <laughs> I hear all of your wrestling thoughts. Your bias is only towards TNA. Yeah, and Jeff Jarrett. But, oh, spoilers, everyone. I thought the Jeff Jarrett match was awesome on this show. Um, yeah, Sean put up a tweet earlier today. He said, Jay White main evented Wrestle Kingdom this year. And that feels like a lifetime ago. It sure does. <laughs> like, they just said that. And I was like, huh. I guess that was this year, wasn't it? Yeah. Okada versus Jay White main event of Wrestle Kingdom 17. This year. This year. Unbelievable. Where has this year gone? I'm I don't know. I'm so excited for the end of year awards. Me too. I I was thinking about this today. I was like, I have no idea what the end of year awards are going to look like. I think this might be the most hotly contested end of year awards that we'll have, we'll have done. I completely agree. And I was also thinking about this today because obviously we get our like top five picks with the points uh, awarded to each and such and i was thinking about it and i know roughly where my top five has kind of landed through most of the year you know it's the names that most people will have thought of like the mjfs orange cassidy's you know etc but i was sitting there watching this show and i was like i don't know that christian can avoid that top five right now i think he might get some votes this year he is amazing he was so good in that sit down interview uh jack lloyd here says just to correct you lovely boys go back and watch the video it is five guys not just five guys there are four that attack jay and then only one of the mask hiding around the corner not getting involved i think it's cold kingdom roddy and kyle o'reilly oh my god let that happen because and like i was going to mention o'reilly earlier because all of a sudden, out of the woodwork, Adam Cole's being like, I don't know what the timetable is on Kyle O'Reilly coming back. And I was like, I bet you don't, Adam. You there planting the seeds to make us think that he's not coming back anytime soon. I I didn't necessarily think that. I thought that was a possibility, but I was just like, I'm really sad. I miss Kyle O'Reilly. And if this is some sort of misdirection to bring back Kyle O'Reilly... Oh, that's a way to make me go, oh, actually, this is the best possible scenario. Also, to correct your correction, Jack Lloyd, I did say it was four guys with one guy standing to the ones to one side. So I said it was correct. Why uh, isn't it just five guys? You ever think of that? Maybe it was Sonata. Um, yeah. Someone else put up a tweet that made me think, sorry, I was just about thinking about Kyle O'Reilly then. It was like basically listing out all of the things that have happened since Kyle O'Reilly went out injured. Brawl out is among it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, 
Oh, he's been out for a while. Been out a long, a long time. time. I was loving the little tag, or not tag, the little uh, mini push he got yeah. the last spring into summer. He had a match with Darby Allen on pay-per-view. Yeah, and it was great. It was great. One of the more underrated of all AEW pay-per-view matches. There's a video clip uh, not long ago of him, his match with Phoenix in the Owen Hart tournament. Yep. Damn, that was awesome. Luckshot Barriott says the MJF devil mask being behind better than you baby in that promo segment because it was MJF's entrance geared all in. I don't think it was hinting at this cliffhanger ending. Well, I don't necessarily think that it was hinting at a future ending, but I think that now you can book this ending of the show and then people can go back and look at that and go like, ah, oh, yeah, you're, Red string. you're Charlie Day going absolutely nuts with string and yarn. That's the fun of it. And Zoop here said, CM Punk has just posted an Instagram story of men in black suits and masks. The biggest trick the devil ever pulled. It's punk. It's definitely punk. It's not punk, is it? <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm going to double check this. I have... No idea. If it was <laughs> Punk, he wouldn't be doing that. You know? Yeah. He he wouldn't be teasing that he's coming back if it was Punk. Is he just is he just posting this up to trolling. be a little troll? Yeah. But hell, you never oh, know. Oh, it's not quite the same. He's posted up a picture of from an old sci-fi movie. Yeah, that's different. Yeah. I saw he posted something about Shawn it's Michaels. From, it's, from the, it's from the Outer Limits. Debunked. <laughs> yeah, debunked that Myth one. Myth busted. He's just a big Out of Limits fan. Twilight Zone with that. All right, let's get into uh, the rest of this show, which kicked off with, you know, hey, last week, Ray Phoenix wasn't supposed to win the international title. John Moxley was supposed to face a non-AEW talent at uh, Wrestle Dream. A few people think it might have been Josh Barnett might have been the person coming in for the match. I have heard Filthy Tom Lawler, um, yeah. who is another Defy guy, yeah. but Filthy Tom has said that wasn't the case. So whether that's just him pushing that yeah, down yeah. the road or actually debunking it, I don't know. But either way. Either way. So Ray Phoenix is the champion. Uh, we need to give him some wins on TV. Quick, pull the emergency lever. Pre-woo, pre-woo. Because out comes Jeff Jarrett. And you bust a gut laughing when you watched this episode earlier. I sure did. Because we had a conversation last week where I was like, you know, Ray Phoenix, not supposed to win the international championship. But hell, let's turn a negative into a positive. He's going to have some really fun singles matches on TV that we haven't gotten to see before. You see the match he's got next week? Right. Who are we going to see first? And I'm like, oh boy, who's it going to be? Boy, who? <laughs> I was just like, of course it is. <laughs> and it was a fun match, don't get me wrong, but I was just like, you know, I could have come up with 10 names I would have chosen before that one. I didn't know this match was happening. And I I just logged on this morning, and Ray Phoenix comes out, and I'm like, oh, cool, Ray Phoenix match on TV. I wonder who it's against. Jared's music is though, and <laughs> of course it's Jared. <laughs> of course it's Jeff. I'll be the girl. Give it to me. I'll do it. Of course, it was Team TNA coming down to the ring. Proper funny, this is. And then it was just madness from the offset. 
in in doing so, Sanjay Dutt accidentally put his hands on Karen Jarrett's breasts because mm-hmm. this was just wacky comedy nonsense. And his head on Satnam Singh's balls. Sanjay's great. I love this little comedy goofball team. And even though it was like five on one, Ray was fighting from behind the entire time. His back was all busted up. His legs were hurting. So Jarrett had control. He got to like get his foot on the ropes off the stroke. Jarrett did one of my favorite spots in wrestling. He hits the stroke and then just goes, yeah, (laughs) yeah, I did it. I did it. And now I'm going to win the match. And then they kick out a two and it's like, A fantastic sell of the stroke as well. Yeah, not easy to do because that move is rubbish. Yeah, but like a proper like headstand sell off of like what's essentially a reverse side Russian leg sweep. So good. Uh, A really good near fall as well off some of the like Sanjay distractions, the low blow and Mm -hmm. everything. Really fun this. Jarrett goes for the figure four. Ray Phoenix uh, gets an inside cradle for the win. Fun nonsense. A fun nonsense opener. Would I have booked Jeff Jarrett? Wouldn't have been my first choice, but he's a solid hand if you need a fun opening match. That's what he's there for. He's a very good, I think he's a good heat magnet because, you know, he's very good at getting heel heat and then transferring that across into babyface heat for his opponents. Mm -hmm. I think he's very, very good at that. Also, it's just fun to go onto Twitter and then see what the reaction was when the match was announced ahead of time. And it's just watching like Righteous Reg like meltdown watching kate fabe meltdown the usual suspects being mm-hmm. like no why is it jarrett and then they're going like jarrett <laughs> of course i i learn all these things like as they happen because like i usually stay off twitter like you know before dynamite because i'm at home just living yeah, yeah. living life and not being on twitter at midnight and such so i don't see a lot of these matches announced if they're last minute so i and then i try not to go on twitter in the morning Smart. so i can see as much of the show without being spoiled as possible so this is the first thing i see and i was like god damn it are you kidding uh speaking of fun nonsense mjf and adam cole were on a boat mother effer don't you ever forget it was max's dad's boat and Max was basically asking him, like, you were on the phone to to Roderick Strong for so long, you nearly missed my match, and I, I really needed you there. And Cole explains the idea of, you can have more than one friend. Mm-hmm. And MJF could not wrap his head around this idea. Because he's only he's got one friend, and he's only just getting to grips with what one friend means, let alone the possibility of having two friends. Mm-hmm. And so he was just really perplexed by this to the point where he went to Tony Soprano, this man, by like bringing him on a boat and he was going to whack him and throw him into the sea. He opens up the cooler, the beer cooler, gets the dynamite diamond ring out and they're playing. You can hear the audience go, (gasps) like they're going to do the turn now. And Adam Cole says, Max, are you getting the dynamite diamond ring? Are you going to whack me and throw me in the sea? No. No. And he explained the idea of having two friends. And Max kind of like, you know, I don't get it, but if you're saying that's true, then I'm just going to believe you. And then they catch a big fish. The, a really tall fish. <laughs> that's not a big fish. It's a big show. And 
Paul White's out there in like a rubber dinghy thing going, Hey, hey, what are you doing? Get off of me. Dressed as Captain Insano, no less. We have been waiting. With our, it's been months since we saw Captain Insano has been trademarked by AEW or whatever. We're going to bring in Captain Insano to be used in a segment. And we're like, okay. And it didn't happen. And we were like, all right, it's a strange <laughs> thing to pull the plug on. And then he's just out there. He's on the boat. And he joins them on the boat and he has a beer which looks tiny in his massive Captain Insano hands. And it's like, Max got another friend in Captain Insano. This was where I started realizing, no, this show is just bat as insane. <laughs> I loved this. Insano. I loved this so much. It was really cool. And then Callus and Takeshita went to Japan. Yep. To go and kill Kota Ibushi. And that was like Ashley Kota Ibushi's dojo too. Like yeah. I've seen a lot of the training clips or whatever where he and Omega were getting prepared for Omega's match with Okada. And it was in that same dojo. <laughs> Thankfully, I've got my tracker on Ollie Davis so I know where he is at all times. Uh, and I'm safe to report that he was in Kyoto at the time <sighs> of uh, the, this attack in, in Tokyo. So Ollie Davis is safe. He's okay, everyone. I know there was a lot of concern to the Ollie Davis hotline that he might have also been part of this attack. But he's okay. He was in Kyoto instead. Phew. Darn. Uh, but yeah, they so Callis, Takeshita, and Sumi Gawara came out for their promo, showed the video of them beating up Kota Ibushi, and like it was all it was all fine promo stuff. Sammy cut a promo on Jericho. It was all fine. I don't think this was like a hot go home angle to build for their trios match. And it was like, we're missing one of the most popular acts of the whole thing. Why isn't Kenny on TV? Like, why just is he never on TV? I, I know he was on know. Rampage last week, but it was when I was watching Dynamite last week, I was like, why isn't Kenny on this show? And then I'm watching this episode here and I'm like, why isn't Kenny on this show? Mm -hmm. Just why isn't Kenny? Listen, if I was booking... Kenny Omega would be, like, the focal point of my promotion. Doesn't have to be world champion all the time, but, like, he's your top guy. Kenny Omega's the top guy of this promotion, and I think should be treated as such. And isn't really? Hasn't been since he came back from injury, really? So, I would change that. Yeah. And I think when you look at all of this, you had the three least important people in this menagerie and not to say Don Callis isn't important but like and I'm not even talking about him but like ultimately of all the people involved in this here six tag match like you got Sammy Guevara who I think is probably the sixth out of six mm -hmm. here you had Kanosuke Takeshita who's kind of come off the boil a little bit and he's gonna have a great match but like we'll see and you got Kota Ibushi, who never talks and is never on TV. And you're missing Will Ospreay, Chris Jericho, and Kenny Omega. And they're the ones that'll probably sell this pay-per-view a little bit better. They're not there. Yeah. I thought this promo from Sammy Guevara was fine. I saw a lot of people who came out with his new uh, Scarface mm -hmm. demeanor. Scarface branding for Sammy Guevara on the Titan Tron. saw a lot of people just being like, Man, this man just does not have the sauce. Yeah, he hasn't got an aura. And I spent a lot of time being very critical of Chris Jericho because of the, you know, the inner circle days and, and the Jericho Appreciation Society and whatnot. 
because I was really hoping that when the inner circle started, it meant we would see some guys elevated by being paired with Chris Jericho. And sure, Sammy Guevara was in a much better place having been in that group than he would have been otherwise when he was just man in panda head losing Cody Rhodes on the first episode of Dynamite. But it became very clear after the end of the inner circle that it was never about getting Santana and Ortiz over. It wasn't really about getting Sammy Guevara over. And I kind of had to come to grips with that. And now we've finally seen the split of Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho. And now I'm like, I don't really see this guy actually leaping up the card for now having gotten a rub from Chris Jericho. It's really just like, it's been a four-year experiment here. And I think, I think we're going to have to come to grips. I think most of us have, but I think Tony might have to come to grips. The idea that maybe all four of the pillars aren't going to be future world champions. Mm. You know? Yeah. yeah. I think you got it with Darby, because Darby's awesome. Yeah. If Jungle Boy comes back, you probably got something there. I think the, the heel turn has worked, but there's still ways to go. Yeah, Sammy's the one that feels the furthest off. And I think part of that problem is that that man has gone babyface and heel more than anyone else in the company. What do you mean? We just saw a big show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, backstage, Ricky was cutting a promo about his match with Danielson, the excellent match they had on Collision. And Wheelie Yuta walked up to effectively apologize, being like, sorry, I didn't mean to like, you know, grab at you afterwards. I was just like looking after my guy. And Ricky steps up to him. And he's like, oh, Turns out you're just an entitled guy. Let's have a match at Wrestle Dream. Simple enough. Simple enough. Listen, if you're good, there's a lot of these matches where it's just like, ah, just give them a backstage deal. They're having a match at the pay-per-view. It'll be good. Yeah. This was, you know, I don't think this would have been on the card, but with the Moxley match being taken off the card, you know, just ran up to a nice 10. Mm-hmm. Could have kept it at nine, Tony. And I don't think oh, we'll been... end up at like 14 after collision. Well, they haven't announced anything for the zero hour yet. So there's time. Um, up next, this was a match that was not announced ahead of time, and I didn't know it was happening until the graphic for it came up. Nick Jackson versus Claudio Castagnoli versus Brian Cage, the winner of which will get a shot at Ray Phoenix next week for the International Championship. Now, it was fairly obvious from the get-go that Nick Jackson was winning this match, because it's the anniversary show next week, and they have had one of the all-time classic Dynamite matches. So I was like, okay, Nick's getting the win here. That's absolutely fine. This match was great. <laughs> this match was fantastic. You don't say. I mean, yeah. Su- surprise everyone to the surprise of no one. Nick Jackson, Claudio, and Brian Cage had a great triple threat match. This was awesome. But you, like, you were, you told pulling this out to Sullivan. You were like, "This is disgusting. <laughs> like, this, this is this is a disgusting, depraved match to put on." And I love it. <laughs> I need S like this. I stopped it. You're welcome, mods. I swear to God, there is something to be said about having a roster this good and just putting three names in a randomizer and being like having a four and a half star match spat out. Yeah. I would do this like every week. <laughs> Because there are guys that can get beat, 
and they don't have to have long-running stories with everybody that they're going to face in these triple threat matches. What has happened between these three guys that warrants a, a match on TV? Nothing. But they're all great, so let's put it on TV. That was awesome. It gives us more reason to see Claudio wrestle yeah. against people like A. Young Buck and Brian Cage. Oh, this spoke to me. This was also Nick Jackson's only his fourth singles match. They said it was a singles match. It was a triple threat match. but like A singles performance. A singles performance. Only his fourth in AEW history. Mm-hmm. It's his fourth anniversary next week. Yeah. That's nuts. I mean, I can only think of the match with Ray Phoenix. Yeah. If I really put my mind to it, maybe I'll be able to think of something else. But off the top of my head, it, it's not. They're not frequent. I'll tell you how fun this match was. Check this out for a finish. Claudio hit the Ricola bomb, so Nick Jackson did a surprise attack springboard hurricane runner. And he did it to Claudio to send Claudio out the ring, and as he finishes the move, falls into a pin on Brian Cage. Brilliant. Brilliant. I loved this match. It made for some reason, and I think it's just the builds and everything. Actually, it's a pretty apt comparison when I think about it a little bit more. There was the WWE draft show in 2007, back when they would do the mm -hmm. uh, winning brand uh, gets a draft pick type thing. They do matches throughout the show, and you just get matches on those shows that you wouldn't see otherwise. And on that show, they did Jeff Hardy versus Elijah Burke versus Batista. Oh, crikey. And you look at the people in this match. You got a young buck as Jeff Hardy. <laughs> yeah. You got Brian Cage as, as, as Batista, and... Claudio's a lot better than Elijah Burke. Sorry, Pope. <laughs> but it's so fun to just see a little bit of, here's the flying guy, here's the strong guy, here's the strong man, and just go out there and have fun. Man, when Claudio did the, the big swing on Brian Cage, like, and he built to that thing as well, really got the crowd hyped up for it. A lot of fun this was. Yeah. Uh, someone pointed out in the chat, Danielson uh, was... That's right. They wrestled on Rampage yeah. in the early days. Uh, we had a video promo. This is where our talking segment of the show starts. We had four different talking segments here. Kind of, you know, something you could argue maybe three and a bit because this was a video package here for the righteous. who are going to be challenging better than you, baby, at the pay-per-view. And they talked about how it's easier to forgive enemies than fake friends. So that was a nice line. I mm -hmm. really like that. Could be telling. It could be. I, honestly, I'm really digging the, the, the presentation of the righteous. I like it, man. I, I think it's really, really cool. It's different. It makes them stand out. Do I think they should be on a pay-per-view fight for the Irish tag titles? No. But I think you've you got some good building blocks to build to a future pay-per-view appearance. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've kind of been vocal about these guys before where it's like, I think the presentation of them is fun. It's different. They've got kind of a backwoods thing going that I kind of dig. But... And the bell rings. And I there are better teams around, unfortunately, bell to bell. And when I'm paying for a pay-per-view, I want to see the best matches. And that's just me. Yep. You know? Well, speaking of great tag teams, Better Than You, Bebe came out for a promo, but Cole was on crutches. And he announced that he has broken his ankle in three different places. The way he describes it on TV was, I jumped off that stage and my ankle exploded. It's got uh, Matt Jackson's shoe. Yeah. The exploding shoe. That's right. <laughs> so he broke his ankle in three different places. He's torn ligaments in it as well. 
and he's going to require surgery. That sucks because that's not a quick recovery. Work, 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 or, work, or is it just work, a work? work? And Deadlock Pro announced that he's been pulled from their November 12th show. Which makes me believe it's not a work. Unless he's just, you know, that's part of the work. Yeah, I would feel bad for an indie promotion that hey, no, if you has give, that done. Though. Give him someone else. Hey, we can't give you Adam Cole, but we can give you Eddie Kingston in this place. Well, he's not doing indie dates either. We can give you the righteous in this place. Give him MJF. Have the world champion show up yeah. in this place. But yeah, him work again. So, you know, he is going to do everything he can to get as better as, uh, as quickly as possible. I hope you do get better, Adam. Um, particularly if this, this isn't a work that I've worked myself into thinking that it is. Um, the best of uh, best of luck to Adam Cole, because Indeed. it's been so great having him back. And it's it sucks to have him taken away from us again so soon. Yeah. Prayers up for Chugs. Absolutely. Um, and he's going to relinquish the tag titles. But Max won't let him. Max won't let him relinquish these belts because Max points out that if it hadn't been for him, if it hadn't been for him wanting Adam Cole in his corner, he wouldn't have gotten hurt. And so he blames himself for it. And he wants these belts still on Better Than You, Bebe, by the time that Adam Cole gets back. So he is going to defend these titles against the Righteous at WrestleDream in a two-on-one handicap match great it's yeah. a great little baby face thing to do it's like i know how important these tag belts mean to you because of the tag belts you never got to win during your time in ring of honor and now you have them i ain't letting you just relinquish these belts to the righteous mm-hmm. i'm gonna defend these belts against the righteous it's great it's great baby face stuff absolutely real good just baby face tropes yeah and it just gives people and excalibur saying it on commentary while this is happening it's like i can't believe this just the, the transformation this man has done. And it gives people more and more reason to buy into Babyface MJF, which it turns out we need as we go into another top program with another top heel and everything that's coming at the end of the show. This guy needs to seem as much like a Babyface as possible. And they're doing a fantastic job with him. They certainly are. And then Adam! Adam! Roderick Strong is wheeled out on his wheelchair that's called Hot Roddy and the kingdom are there and he just says, Adam I need to speak to you it is an emergency that we speak now he's just the best I've so turned a corner on Roderick Strong in this thing, It really, I love it so much and the kingdom are there being like, yeah Adam, you need to come talk to us again, you know, these seeds there for when we get the angle we got later on in the show and Cole's kind of conflicted because he knows how MJF feels about Roderick Strong and how he kind of let MJF down a little bit last week by not being in his corner the whole time. But MJF gives his blessing, more or less, to as many words, was like, look, I've now learned that people can have more than one friend. So if you feel like this is something you need to go and do, I fully support you going to do this. Again, what a great friend. What a great baby face. I think it was there where Excalibur was like, he's really turned a corner. I can't believe this. And so Cole gets out the ring. He hobbles up and he goes away with the kingdom and Roderick Strong. And it gives way for the promo battle. And like, so I was like, oh, man, that was a really good segment. Then Bullet Club Gold's music hit. And I'm like, the what? Yeah. And Jay White comes out. And I'm like, oh, holy smokes, Jay. And I had this when Swerve came out. 
a few weeks back for Hangman Page. I was just going to bring this up. When you sit up and you're like, oh, I hadn't thought about this as a combination. I'm really excited about this. So Jay White and MJF were stood across the ring from each other. And I was like, the crowd reaction, I think, tells you what this was. Because the crowd was so excited to see Jay White. And then there was like a split reaction between like people excited for Jay, people cheering for Max. And they just let the crowd do the work for them. Mm-hmm. They just stood there and let the crowd tell you, the audience at home, how big of stars these guys are. I think it really speaks to the AEW roster right now, where over the last year, I've really come to appreciate the pop of a new program starting. Yeah. And we've seen it with the Hangman and Swerve thing. We saw it last year with Ricky Starks and Chris Jericho. Little did we know. But... It's just like, especially when a pay-per-view cycle or something has ended, a big show is behind us, whatnot, and you just get like, the music hits and everyone's like, ooh, hadn't thought of this. Yeah, that was my reaction. That was my reaction for this as well. Just And it seemed to be like kind of Max's reaction where he was perplexed at what this all was because he's not had beef with Jay White on this show so far, but... I think they did fantastic jobs with both of their promos. MJF got a weed chance stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Smoking some of that Colorado grass. And he came up with, so I had a, a very uh, long and perhaps unnecessary um, uh, Paneer Tika Dansak metaphor on the, the raw broadcast uh, we did on Tuesday. MJF clearly watches this show, was writing down notes. It was like, huh, I'm going to do a, 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 a laborious food metaphor as well in my promo because <laughs> he referred to himself as a filet mignon a perfect piece of meat that people would go out of their way to order doesn't need anything you just need that filet mignon other things could be around it but that is the star of the show jay white on the other hand is tofu now there's nothing wrong with tofu Tofu's great but you need to work with tofu you need to give tofu spices herbs you need to dress tofu up in order for it to be palatable. Because if you just eat tofu on its own, it's bland. It's boring. And that's why Jay White is the tofu of top guys. You are a Japanese person's idea of what a top guy looks like. Because you've been given the presentation, the, 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 the music, the nicknames, and the keys to the biggest faction in pro wrestling of the last five years. I don't need any of that because I'm filet mignon and you're just tofu. Oh, it was really good. I I am surprised every single time one of these programs starts with MJF at just how easily he can make it personal because you know we've seen we've seen the more obvious ones recently you know with Samoa Joe before mm-hmm. that like CM Punk and such but man when he was drawing the comparisons between himself and Jay White because that was real yeah. that happened you looked at the top heels of the business from like 2 years ago and people would always say MJF and Jay White. Yeah. And to just bring that up makes me as a viewer go, oh, yeah, you know, he's got a point there. And he's just putting himself over. Now, I don't necessarily agree with his uh, his analysis of both Tofu and Jay White, but it was a captivating promo. And I know saying that about MJF seems to be uh, a repetition, an unnecessary repetition at this point. 
but I saw this and I was blown away at how quickly he was able to make a story and make me invested in this story between he and Jay White. It was really great. He's also not wrong about tofu as well. Like I, I, I cook with tofu a lot as, as a vegetarian. But one of my favorite things about tofu is that like, it's a blank canvas. I can put loads of different things around this. But then, you know, so I, he's completely on the money. With, and, and I look back at the when I was reviewing those Jay White New Japan shows and Kenny Omega was leaving. So they were like, right, well, it's Jay now. And then we watched that Madison Square Garden show and it's like, oh, Jay ain't the guy, man. Mm-hmm. Like, he's good, but he ain't Kenny Omega. It's actually funny enough, like the MJF thing. MJF, like at this promo says, like people used to say, like MJF's good, but he's no Jay White. Mm-hmm. And I pretty much would have said, like Jay White's good, but he's no Kenny Omega. And but- MJF ends this promo by saying, like you are going to walk away from this, having ne- having learned that Jay White is good, but he's no MJF. So it does tie all of that back all together. together. Yeah. It's it's really funny looking at the timeline of things because I don't think New Japan did jay white any favors by putting him in that position because they were still very much locked into the mindset that you need a gaijin top guy to go against okada in madison square garden because the american fans want to see the the top japanese guy against somebody who looks like them or whatever it's why you got like tanahashi against billy gunn on those first new japan shows (laughs) instead of you know the top guy versus top guy matches and they were very stuck in that mindset and it led to jay white being put in a very difficult position where he had to try and follow the act of kenny omega as the top foreign heel not an easy thing to do no one could no one could at that period of time where you're coming right off of the omega okada matches nobody could fill those shoes but it's like a year after that when jay white really starts to get his footing and he gets it it's in that g1 that year against abushi where i think everybody realized no this is the best working heel in the business right now and it continues onward through wrestle kingdom etc over the last like three or four years now and now we're getting to see what he's going to be able to do not in japan more left to his own kind of devices as a star and not being packaged a certain way by new japan and that is so exciting to me also love like jay white like, he was great in this segment honestly what a promo this man cut and i love this little like narrative thread that he puts through here it's like you know when you think about it without me you and adam cole wouldn't be together right now because I hurt Adam Cole so badly at Forbidden Door that he has to take time off. And when he came back, that's when your partnership started. So, you know, you got me to thank for that. But also, I don't think you realize that people like Adam Cole way more than you. And what I really like about Jay White's promos is he does everyone else's catchphrases in the same style as those. So he was talking, like, he would like, Adam Cole, baby. Do you hear how much they like doing that? That's because they like you more than him. And then he would do MJF's promo mjs taglines and not get as much of a call and response thing to prove his points i thought he was great in this segment he's such a good promo yeah i really really like jay white and i have for a very long time i think he's fantastic this is sort of the reason why don't get me wrong i was one of the people who was criticizing aew when he came in as well because i don't think that ricky starks feud did anything for he and juice robinson at first but i was like okay the, the ship isn't sinking just because he didn't have the hottest first month and a half 
Like, he got put into the programs on Collision. You worked with Punk. You worked with all these different guys. And I was just like, I know that they see Jay White as a top guy. And just because it might be a little slow going doesn't mean that this is ruined. That he's not damaged goods or anything. I love this promo because he always talks about himself as being the catalyst. And this was another thing to tie all that back in. It's like when Seth Rollins turned heel way back when and called himself the architect, mm-hmm. you know, and he would cut these promos about how everything starts with him. He was the reason that all these things happened. And it's sort of the same thing where Jay White is the catalyst of Bullet Club. He's the catalyst of this, that, the other thing. He'd cut these promos forever in New Japan. But now we're seeing him apply that to something else and use that, use something that could just be a throwaway name, throwaway line, and use it to get in the head of the guy he's trying to coerce into a title match or whatever his goal is at the end of this segment just a masterful wordsmith and it's it's promos like that which is why max's promo works so good because what max was saying is kind of like what we were just talking about briefly earlier which is that like yeah they put him they put jay in an unwinnable position where it's like omega's going you're the new leader of bullet club you're now you're now the top heel and like he just wasn't ready for that position and he eventually got to that position and he then became like this incredible and the best heel going but uh, to max's point they had to put a lot of bells and whistles around him to very to, to get to that point but jay white's point is just like i didn't need that stuff because i am the best and i am gonna make that title elite because i am elite this company is missing elite and that's me and that's why i'm gonna take that title and make it elite again this idea that max is not elite you think you're like you say that no one is level on the level with the devil you're not on my level Oh, this was great. I made me so excited. And the way that Max got fired up and wanted to fight him there and then, and Jay's like, nah, and just leaves. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was great. It's Loved something you've this. seen MJF do a thousand times where he does all this promo work. They're getting ready to fight and he rolls out of the ring. Yeah. He's done his job. He's pissed you off. Now he's emotionally compromised you and he has the ability to get what he wants out of you that much easier. Oh, I really enjoyed this segment. Yep. And I went on Twitter after seeing it and immediately just saw a bunch of people being like, maybe it's Jay. Maybe it's time. Jay that takes the title from MJF at full gear. Mate, like, and we're getting to the point where we're coming up to a year on this, you know? Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I don't I'm not know, saying that I'm ready for it to be over by any means, but I could certainly say that he's had a good run and could pass the title to somebody else. And now we're just waiting for who the right guy is. And if we're waiting for like another month and a half or so for full gear, there's a lot of time to really convince people that Jay White could be that guy. I loved this so, so much. It was really, really great. And then the, the great like sit down talking and promos continue because we had a, another talking segment with JR having a sit down between Christian Cage and Darby Allen. What I loved about this is Christian, really. Darby was awesome in this. Like, Darby saying, like, oh, you think I hide behind this face paint? Throws water in, so I was rubbing it off. Basically challenging Christian's ideas. Because, like, Christian's doing his whole, like, oh, and tell me about your uncle. Can, can he come to the show? Uh, it's like, oh, when you bring your parents? When you bring your, your mother? When you bring Nick Wayne? When you bring Buddy Wayne? And, like, trying to, like, get under his skin. But it doesn't work on Darby the way it does other people. But Christian was so great in this segment. A, he said... I retained my championship. <laughs> <laughs> <Collision>. <laughs> the greatest man on earth. So good. But then he also said, 
it was my idea to have a two out of three falls match so I can embarrass you in Seattle. When we know for a fact it wasn't. Yeah. Because we literally saw on Collision him freak out over the idea. But now he's so good at gaslighting people being like, actually, it was my idea to have a two out of three falls match. Convincing himself that it was his idea. There were a lot of things about this that I really liked. First of all, I liked the presentation of both of these guys. Christian Cage is incredible. And for a very long time, one of my big nitpicks of AEW was that Christian wasn't wrestling enough. Now we're seeing Christian wrestle a little bit more. And, you know, shocker, he's one of the best things on the show mm-hmm. and has been for a while now. He's fantastic. I love his promos. I love his character right now. I also love Darby Allen's response to all of these things because if we all remember, when he started feuding with MJF a few years ago and MJF started to do kind of the similar thing, bringing up the uncle, bringing up, you know, what what happened, his uncle's death and the car crash and whatever, Darby Allen didn't bite. It, it doesn't get under his skin. And it was something that bothered MJF at that point because he could always just, you know, bother people until they snap and whatever. But Darby wasn't like that. Darby couldn't just rise to MJF's taunts. And it's not that we didn't see him rise to Christian Cage's taunts the same way. Like, he didn't snap. He didn't beat his ass backstage or anything like that. But it's been going on long enough where it took a little bit more fire out of Darby Allen when he grabs the water bottle and says, you think I'm hiding behind this face paint? I don't need anything to beat you. I don't need anybody in my corner, and if you have the balls, you won't have any anybody in your corner either, and flips it back on Christian to then taunt him to the point where he says that Luchasaurus won't be at ringside. Yeah. This was an excellent backstage sit-down interview. So good. And you never know, but keeping Christian with nobody at ringside might involve somebody else coming out. I, we, we So we've got our predictions video for uh, wrestling that will be coming out tomorrow on the channel. But I've been thinking about it since we recorded it. I don't know if I want Edge involved in this act because I just like Christian. Mm-hmm. Like, What does Edge bring to this act? I mean, I don't know. Maybe it could be something amazing. I, You never know. You never know. Like, These are two goofballs <laughs> with very similar senses of humor. That's very true. And actually, like, it would be a really fun reversal of their 2001 dynamic where it's Edge is the pushed guy, but Christian's the lackey behind. Mm-hmm. And the flip reversal of that, where it's like Christian is the pushed guy and Edge is the lackey, carrying the King of the Ring trophy <laughs> for him. There's a lot of things you could do. If Edge is coming in, which we don't know that he is, but if he is, this is a really hot act to put him with right yeah. now. Oh, man, so then said Tomko to AEW confirmed. <laughs> You never know. <laughs> Could you imagine? No, I can't, honestly. Can you imagine? The Christian Coalition. The Christian Coalition's back. Where's AJ? When's his contract yeah. up? <laughs> right, up next. Craig, you want to talk about oh, some wrestling happened, but I got some fun PWG just like, we're just going to put a fatal four-way on the show. Who's in it? It's Orange Cassidy, Austin Gunn, Pentagon Jr., and Matt Jackson. <laughs> All right. Yep. And do you know what? It was awesome. It sure was. Another one where you just hit simulate on universe mode and it spits out another four and a half star match because you can do that with a roster like this. There was a bit of a criticism I got on the Raw podcast. I I mentioned this to you the other day and I mentioned that like uh, it's it's a shame that they didn't give Tegan Knox any more time on the 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 show to get over they only give her a two minute match and like you're not going to get over in a two minute match mm-hmm. and someone's reply to that was like oh they can't just have 15 minute bangers every week why and, not and my reply to that was like 
I mean, you could. Yeah. Like, you're you're actively choosing not to at this point. And the matches like this, I'm like, yeah, why don't you just do this all the time? Like, yeah. just, just go out there and just put on 10-minute bangers. Because there, there's so many reasons why I like this, and we'll get into them. But doing a match like this is so much fun because three of the guys in them are pretty much strictly tag wrestlers. Pentagon is kind of in the middle, but he's a tag wrestler. And it means that any of these guys like can win and can be beaten because they're not with their partners, so they're still slightly protected. This is a winning recipe yeah. that I would do like all the time. There was a moment in this when they did a series of moves where Austin Gunn was trying to hit either like a Tiger Driver style thing or a pedigree, like a pedigree perhaps. perhaps. And every time he tried to do it, someone would stop him and hit that person with a Canadian Destroyer. And then he would try and grab the person who hit the Canadian Destroyer, do the move, and then someone else would interfere. And it ended up with all four men being hit with Canadian Destroyers. And they were all all got up, all fell at the same time. And I thought, man, Twitter are going to hate this match. <laughs> but I am having a great time. Twitter can hate it, but I'll love it. There was a moment when Matt uh, went to do the Northern Light Suplex uh, on cassidy and then he eventually got cassidy into like a roll-up pin and stood up within that pin and hit a double northern light suplex on austin Gunn and penta so he was pinning all three men at the same time i don't think i've ever seen one man pinning three <laughs> at the same time That's great incredible and then orange punch out of nowhere for the win ridiculously fun match this was a really fun match i also really liked the finish because yeah. the finish was you had matt jackson and pentagon kind of like doing dueling moves sort of like they were on opposite sides of the ring they were going to hit the ropes and do something but as they hit the ropes austin gun trips penta pulls him out of the ring and matt just kind of like slows himself down as austin guns laying the ground and pound on the outside and matt jackson turns around hits the orange punch and gets the quick pin as austin gun is diving back into the ring it was perfectly timed yeah. kind of came out of nowhere while still being set up very well awesome finish to an awesome match great bit of commentary during this match um orange cassidy did his like trustful lazy dive thing to the outside onto everyone and Taz on commentary said, like, oh, I used to do a dive like that. And Excalibur was like, man, this guy steals everything from you. Like, stealing that move, stealing your colors. And Taz goes like, yeah, he stole my kid. <laughs> <laughs> it really got them, too. Because <laughs> you can hear Excalibur go like... <laughs> It's like it's like they're just doing their AEW Dark yeah. uh, commentary, but oh. just on TV now. Yep. And I love that stuff. Love it. And then we got uh, our final match to, to talk about here, which was Julia Hart versus Willow Nightingale. So I saw some people, you know, complain that like, ah oh man, Ricky should have won the, the, the Texas death match because Ricky needed a win. Mm -hmm. The argument against that is, I think correctly so, Brian Danielson has the big pay-per-view match against Zack Sabre Jr. Brian Danielson should win this match. He's got the big pay-per-view match against Zack Sabre Jr. I saw some people really argue that Willow Nightingale should have won this match. And I can't fathom why. Outside of, I love Willow Nightingale. I think Willow Nightingale is awesome. But Julia Hart's got the title match of the pay-per-view. What are people smoking? Like, are they on that Colorado grass? So why? what would giving Willow a win here do other than upset the, the title match they're doing this weekend? Julia Hart's whole gimmick, she's on a winning streak. I don't know. People are 
on one these days about everything. And I know that's Twitter, but like, I, I don't understand that at all. I don't understand don't that. Don't get me wrong. I also love Willow. She's great. I was pushing for a year that they should have had Willow beat Jade at like Revolution and have that be 49 and 1 and give Willow the TBS title and have it should be, have be a one. big big thing, right? Should I've been, been pushing for Willow to be a big time star in AEW for a long, long time. Oh, she won the freaking own heart cup, she did, right? Yeah. It hasn't meant much, but like she did that and I want more for her. That being said, she's got like an injury angle. She's debilitated. She's got one eye. She's going against the number one contender for a title match at a pay-per-view. I have no idea why that would be the time to give her a big win. Yeah. That, to me, is absolute madness. And honestly, we did our predictions earlier today for this pay-per-view, and I don't want to spoil that, but I was humming and hawing about whether Julia Hart or Chris Statlander was going to win this match. And I saw this match after the fact, and I was like, I don't know that I wouldn't pull the trigger right now. I know, right? Because Julia Hart was she. Like, this match was really, really good. It was heated too. Yeah. The people. I was really surprised. You had like the the old Cena reactions where the 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 deeper voices in the crowd were chanting for whoever wasn't Cena, and then the the shriller voices in the crowd chanting for for him. And here you had like seemingly the women and children chanting for Willow, and all of like the the the, the men cheering for julia we pointed this out on the the predictions video but like she is a legit ratings draw there was that episode of rampage where she had the highest rated segment she had the highest rated segment on collision this week a show that collision that had brian danielson and andrade and jay white no the highest rated segment on that show was julia hart's match and that's why i was like man i find i can honestly see tony khan being like i put the belt on her because he's a stats man and she's a proven draw. And she's onto something here. She's 21 years old. Mm-hmm. And the finish to this match was really, really good. They told a great story throughout it. But Willow, like, just overpowering the smaller Julia Hart. And she charges her into the corner and puts her into the tree of woe. And she runs through the cannonball. But Julia just sits herself up, like, perfectly timed. Pops herself up. Stands up and hits this beautiful moonsault. Unbelievable moonsault. And gets the win. Really, really good. This was kind of an eye-opening match for me. Because I've been a fan of Julia Hart. I think she's got my favorite song in AEW right now. You like it, yeah. I love that song. And I have been impressed with her recent work on TV. But this was like a, no, I would buy you having open challenge matches regularly on TV. I don't see why not. I would have done more with Chris Statlander's reign, but now that we're here, why not? And Let's you, make a new star. I'm on board. This is also what I mean about, like, I don't see the, the reasoning behind having Willow beat Julia Hart here. Yeah. Because Julia is on a hot winning streak. That's the story going into the show. If Willow had beaten her here, like, that just does nothing for the title match this weekend. You know why she's going to win? Because of Brody. Seattle connection. Oh, we were trying to finger all the Seattle guys. We didn't even He's think another of Brody. Defy guy. He's a Defy guy. There you go. Thank God I haven't made my Wrestle League predictions yet. <laughs> and the final thing to talk about on this show was the contract signing between Chris Statlander also ran out and Oh yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Julia Hart hit behind Brody, who is a wonderful 
a great addition to Julia Hart's act. Also, if she wins the belt, House of Black draped in gold. Yeah. Well, not anymore. And then with the trio's titles? No, the acclaimed are. They oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yep. Oh, well. Um, we then had a contract signing between Swerve and Paige. I am so excited for this match. I am over the moon with this match. And this promo, I was already stoked for this match. And I've seen some people clip out Paige's promo here to be like, and this is why he'll forever be the top babyface of this company. And I cannot disagree. Nope. Because he cut this fabulous promo about this dark cloud that has been following him for 18 months. And sure, he's had, he's had some really good moments. I beat Moxley on pay-per-view. Looks up at Renee, who's like hosting this contract segment. <laughs> I've reunited with my friends. But everywhere I look, that dark cloud is following me. And sometimes it rains. God provided me with an umbrella. But I'm not going to open up that umbrella because I deserve this dark cloud that's following me. And it's now up to me to show these fans why they believe in me. And I was like, you are the greatest baby face in the entire world. It's like once a year, he just does one of these promos where I was like, no, you are my favorite wrestler, actually. <laughs> no, yeah. It was like he did it last year when he talked to, when he talked to Moxley and he cut his "I am a man" promo. Yeah. I, I am a man. That promo I go back and watch like every other week, and I'm just like, God damn, I love this stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was so great, and it's nothing like Swerve also held his own because Swerve was cool, calm, and collected, and he was talking about how like, dude, you're coming into my backyard. You have no idea what is in store for you when you hit Seattle. By the way, it rains a lot in Seattle. There were a lot of killer lines in this promo from both sides. That was a great one. My favorite was right at the beginning because Swerve has the mic first. Mm -hmm. And he goes through his bit and he says he's coming for a spot or whatever. And he's just like, he says, you are not on my level. What's a farmer to a mogul? What's a, what's a cowboy to an outlaw? What's a buckshot to a kill shot? Yeah. Bang! Lucha Underground, baby. <laughs> great, great stuff. I, like, gasped at that line. <laughs> I was like, let's go! <laughs> Loved all of this. Um, they both signed the contract. They both get into a bit of a brawl, and that's when it cuts back to the uh, the angle that we spoke about earlier. But, yeah, it was like... This was an awesome episode. I just thought it was slightly all over the show as well. Like, it's just the pacing was really weird because you had this big half-hour talking segment. But there's not a bad thing on this show. Even, like, the only thing that was bad on this show was fine, which mm -hmm. was the, the Callus, Sammy, and Takeshita promo segment. And even then, that had the coolness of them over in Japan being the piss out of Kota Ibushi in his dojo. But like, it was just, like, the pacing was mad, and it was, like, only four matches was really weird. It was, like, the weirdest episode of Dynamite I've ever seen, but I loved it. I adored this show. I need Tony Khan to lose his mind and book <laughs> some of these simulated matches more often, because this, to me, is the key to Tempest happiness. <laughs> Um, right, well, uh, we have no mod mother here today, so I'm going to put up the poll. Do you want to uh, start off with our... Yes, uh, I shall. Uh, Juan Villa has been a member for 24 months in a row, saying, Do you guys swerve when you drive? No, that is 
not not to be encouraged, but top rope, catch a vibe, catch a foot when I drive. Love it. Jesse Folker says, already looking forward to the huge babyface reaction MJF will get in the handicap match. Think the Wrestle Dreams card is good, not great, but certainly looking forward to this Sunday. I think this is like one of the best cards they've put on in a very long time. Yeah, we were talking about that on the prediction show, but this is like a hot card. And it's not even just like Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr., a match that I am like desperate to see. It's Swerve and Page. Swerve and Page. FTR, Aussie Open. Uh-huh. Christian and and what's his face? Darby. Darby. In a two out of three falls match. Eddie Kingston and Shibata. Like, not all the matches were highlighted on this episode of Dynamite, but that card is stacked. And because of like what Julia's done over the last couple of weeks, I'm pretty excited for the Statlander match. I really am too. So, to each their own. But I think this is going to be a good-ass show. Jack Wivel says, please, can someone do an edit of Roddy's entrance song, The End of Heartache, but replace the lyrics with clips of him yelling, Adam. (laughs) I was singing along to it yesterday and changed the lyrics myself, and it works wonderfully. And it's a banger. There you go. That's a botchamania ending for you. (laughs) Ryan V says, didn't get to Ultra Chat this last week, but Grand Slam had a great turnout. Yes, it wasn't sold out, but I think people are not getting how bad inflation is, especially in New York City. Plus, getting out at midnight and taking the subway is not very ideal. Love the stream. Yeah, we had a big discussion about this on uh, the Collision Show. Mm -hmm. Someone uh, Ultra Chat and asking, like, what can AEW do to, to right the ship in terms of their ticket sales and stuff? And we were kind of, you know, I don't know what the economic situation is like i know we have our cost of living crisis here in the uk that's it's making people bad like, everywhere it's I bad think. but i but yeah it's bad everywhere but also like aw have raised their ticket prices that so that's not gonna help but it's like it's it's not a worrying it's not and that's the other thing as well like we were talking about grand slam being like oh man bad attendance and i was like actually the numbers were still yeah it was fine it was still real good yeah it wasn't the twenty thousand. it was the first year or anything no. like that but it was fine it was fine i think my big takeaway is something Meltzer always has said and it's people that you know Vin, apparently it was what Vince always said because there were loads of promoters who would always make excuses for why I didn't sell tickets. It was too sunny. It was too rainy. There was something on. There was a parade. Whatever, whatever, whatever. So, end of the line. If you don't sell enough tickets, it's because people didn't want to come. You're not a hot product right now. And at the moment, AEW is not a hot product. And that's why the tickets don't sell. That's it. That's uh-huh. all there is to it. Uh-huh. Book cards that people in mass will want to come and see and they'll come and see it. Dylan here says, WrestleDream is my first ever pay-per-view and this go-home show skyrocketed my already high excitement. Just wanted to say thank you for the hard work you all do. Not enough characters here to properly express that. Support WrestleTalk. Jam that jam. Much love. Right thank back you. at you. Right back to you, Dylan. The Rollercoaster says, hey guys, Luke, you know what we're all here for. The Jared Train. Choo-choo. Fun Phoenix match. But seriously, the ending angle with the devil must shot this episode up so much and made me pump for MJF's reaction. Hope you guys have a great day day i have had a great day thank you yeah and we i still hope- don't know how mjf is going to react to all this it's very true yeah uh, and i hope you have a great day as well Adam here said i personally think it will be an roh invasion type thing but as long as it's not mjf with a split personality <laughs> i'll be fine who would even be in an roh invasion at this point in an roh invasion um most of the roh guys are like just on AEW now i was about to say what was going on. oh yeah the righteous are, are there the kingdom um, the, the kingdom dark order are back on like collision and stuff now shane taylor's on collision yeah. now like going into program with keith lee yeah who is like ring of honor talent rhett titus <laughs> mark haskins 
Haskins isn't like he's not on Ring of Honor TV. Not currently, but if I think of Ring of Honor guys, uh, he'd yeah. be, be one of them. Oh, in which case, that it's, it's Ian Riccoboni. Then so. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the devil mask. Uh, Kid Cuddy here said uh, Phoenix Wrestling Jeff Jarrett CM Punk's title leaving with him Christian winning the TNT title and MJF in a friendship storyline which title do you think will become the new serious title on TV that's to suggest uh, what Kid Cuddy is there trying to suggest is that none of the titles in AEW are serious I simply disagree you watch that MJF and Jay White story about Jay White wanting to take that title and MJF's fiery response, that's still a top title to me. You want to look at that TNT segment? You want to tell me that's not a serious title? Yeah. And, I mean, Ray Phoenix got the belt by accident, but that's still a top title in this promotion. Yeah. Just because he defending against Jeff Jarrett doesn't mean it's not a top title. Yeah. J-Man here said, also FTR, uh, J-Man here said, the Masked Attackers are NJPW's Bullet Club, with MJF being their leader. In all honesty, it's probably the kingdom. The poor broke Roddy out of hospital. The broke poor Roddy. They broke poor Roddy out of hospital. Still in his hospital gown. Or it's the fun. Alacard, Alacard has been a member for 28 months in a row. Says, remember when some folks genuinely thought Colin and MJF was going to be another can they coexist storyline? Different company, different story. Well, it was a can they coexist story, but it was like the best one of them because it was the top guys. We used to say this on the Rest of Podcast, but like, can they coexist is not a bad story. Can they coexist is a very, very good wrestling trope mm-hmm. the problem is is that wwe did it every week and it became a meme and then everyone was tired of can they coexist and they would like they were doing themselves no favors with it but can they coexist is a good thing like there was a lot of really good tag teams that have come out of can they coexist absolutely andy sandbox or berg says love me a good accolades rant switchblade jay white number one asset in pro wrestling the last rock and roller the man who single-handedly sold out msg and the united center he's king switch baby he's the only grand slam champion that matters he's the high rolling in denver with the bang bang gang he's the catalyst of pro wrestling he nails these promos every time i've heard him and i cannot wait for the singles match between him and mjf what a segue into a huge program really great couldn't have said it better absolutely he said all that without taking a breath <laughs> yeah that's because he's a great promo uh we unfortunately have a streamlabs issue that has lost your username apologies for that please do let our moderators know and they can update that uh in the document here it said for me it has to be wardlow to take the strap off mjf when you consider that all the momentum he had was taken away by mjf it would make the most sense for him to take the thing he loves the most maybe even bring back the trials for mjf that's a fun idea i love that that's a really good idea i like that idea i don't think wardlow's the one to beat him for the title because like yeah he took away the momentum but it just means wardlow has no momentum Hmm. and you should probably have momentum if you're gonna win the top title (laughs) Uh, Andy here says Luke have you turned around on this being a 4 out of 5 show yet I'd like to argue against the idea that there were too many promos everything was great we're conditioned to expect wrestling but all the matches were very good and that stretch of promos wow well that's the thing Andy's like everything was great it's just a lot of it was felt it was in the wrong order like if you'd have done the Derby Christian thing after the 4 way so the 4 way followed on from the uh, the two promo segments it probably wouldn't have felt like half an hour of talking like I La- I can always hear Larson in the back of my head where it was like, man, a lot of talking on this show. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of talking on the show. Good talking. 
but it's about the pacing of the show and how you order the show. And that's kind of where I, my, my score came from. Also, the score is arbitrary, guys. Like, it yeah. doesn't, doesn't really matter. Listen to the words I'm saying. The score at the end is just an arbitrary thing. Look, yeah, it was a four out of five show. Is your day better? <laughs> Kevin here said, uh, this show hyped me up so much, not only for WrestleDream, but for the future, especially that Jay White MJF promo. Swerve is the biggest heel in the business for stopping Nana doing the Nana dance. I totally forgot about this in, the, in our review. That is heat. Yeah. Prince Nana went to do it and he went, nope, stop yourself. And it wasn't even like a big like stop. He just went, no Not words. Today. Not today, Satan. Just put his hand up. And Prince Nana stopped doing the dance. Oh, that's heat, brother. Blake Whitehouse here said, At first I thought Restream was going to be a pay-per-view of the year, but there's a lot of weird, unnecessary matches on it, like Starks versus Utah. Meanwhile, Impact just announced Osprey versus Mike Bailey for Bound for Glory. So there's a strong contender. Hell yeah. Isn't it just? I'll be watching the main event of that show. But listen, we were talking about it earlier. Darby Allen versus Kyle O'Reilly was a randomly ad- added match to Double or Nothing last year. One of the best matches on the show. Jack Lloyd is, and I'm really curious, Tempest, what's your thoughts on Sonata and just five guys? Not to spoil Kobe, but I've really uh, found Sonata and the group in general incredibly dull. As, mu- as much as hot isn't great, I'd much prefer evil to Sonata versus Naito at Wrestle Kingdom. Well, I can't disagree with that more. I, I think House of Torture, H-O-T, is like one of the worst stables i've ever seen in wrestling i was winding tempest up towards the end of the g1 because i was like buddy evil's winning this thing it's sonata evil at wrestle kingdom like that's the match that makes the most sense guy stop it <laughs> stop it <laughs> and you've been like no it's naito's like it ain't gonna be naito um more for me this is a really long topic that i don't have time to get into in as much detail as i would like unfortunately i I've never quite been behind the idea of Sonata as a top guy. Like, I think he was a really good guy on the come up who needed a little bit more and then could be a top guy. And then he never found that little bit more. And that's basically all there kind of was to it. And I think this match, I'm really excited for Naito to get this match at Wrestle Kingdom. Like him getting, I think this is going to be wins the title, has a very short reign, passes it off, and that's like his final thank Mm -hmm. you for being who you are and everything. Thank you for being Naito. I'm really excited for that. And this, I think, is probably the best way to make that happen, maybe. But that being said, Okada was on a really great run this year with that title before losing it to Sonata. And I don't know that I wouldn't have just kept that going. It's, um, he's great, but he's no Okada. He's no Tanahashi. He's no Omega. He's no Jay White. You know, you look down that list of like IWGP champions over the last few years and like the only one he's better than is evil, I guess. Yeah. Well, that's sort of the thing, right? There was a list at one point where for the course of like six years, there were like four guys that won that title that's it because you had to be the best in the world or close enough that it was believable to hold that title and it was exclusive and it was great because of it and then all of a sudden evil won that title and it didn't quite you know yeah it's like anybody can kind of hold that title afterwards belt design stupid yeah I don't think I'll ever forgive them for changing that belt. Yeah, he's a great worker. I like Sonata's matches yeah. a lot, but he, he he's not terribly exciting. I, I look at Forbidden Door. 
I, he was one of the least hot acts in that company on a New Japan AEW co-pro. And it's like, you're the top champion. Like, yeah. Why don't you feel like you're a big deal on this show? And Eddie Blake here says, I'm very thankful for you guys. And the fact I get to wake up to great wrestling news. It feels like a strange one-sided friendship. Emmy Sakura and Chris Brooks. Choco Pro Invasion! Well, we're very excited that you get to wake up as well. It's back and forth. Power Packers 90, our last one here, says, Hey, Tempest and Luke, this was an amazing show, and I'm excited for Wrestle Dream. Now I'm about to take a two-and-a-half-hour drive to Green Bay. Go Pack Go. Green Bay, Wisconsin! Go Pack Go! Uh, and Aaron Bar- Eric Barron has become a brand-new member. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm going to end this poll, which is very, very positive. Um, like This is way more positive than Raw was, and I thought Raw was going to be like an overwhelmingly positive reaction, and it ended up not being. Let me just end this poll to get our final result in. Come on, YouTube. You can do it. Come on, YouTube. You can end this poll. I believe in you. All right, I'm just going to read the results here. It's 86% thumbs up. It's 13% in the middle. Rest thumbs down. Wow. 86%. At one point, that was 88%. I think this show was great. It was was fantastic. It was a great show. It was a really, really fun show. I had a great time with it, and I'm so excited for this weekend. Cannot wait to get up at 5 a.m. to watch this show on Monday. (laughs) Genuinely. (laughs) How many pay-per-views can you say that about? Yeah, it's not many, but I'm, I'm really excited. That's all we've got time for on this edition of the broadcast. Thank you all so much for joining us. Tomorrow, we will have our Wrestle Dream predictions going up here at the same time on the same Bat Channel. And then on Saturday, you'll be reviewing SmackDown with Sat E. Niangi. And then on Sunday, we're not doing any live reactions to Wrestle Dream, but the best of Wrestle Talk September 2023 will be going live, which I believe is going to be a lot of fun. And I think it's going to have a lot of me going, Oi, come here to me. So. <laughs> That'll go out on Sunday, and then on Monday, myself and Chopper Pequeno will be here to review Wrestle Dream in full. And then it's just the usual stuff, because after that, it's bloody Fastlane. So it's Raw, and then it's Fastlane Predictions, and then it's the follow-up Dynamite, the new era of AEW, the anniversary show, which is going to have Phoenix versus Matt Jackson, sorry, Nick Jackson on it. And it's and then it's bloody Fastlane. It's a packed old week, so make sure you are subscribed to this channel. Press the note bell, notifications, all that stuff. Go, all that good stuff. Give us a thumbs up and all that jazz. Until then, I've been Luke Owen, D-A-D. That has been Tempest. Tink, tink. Jam that jam. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum? Think again. Meet Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum with AI-powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trends says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com. And discover X10 Pro Omni. 
The best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.